well, I'm not going to share all the things I asked it for, but the, the gist of it was show me what I love about being human. And what I sort of expected, I guess, in some way, ayahuasca to be like was exactly what my first night was. I blasted off into the cosmos in such a way that I will tell you right now, it was hands down one of the best nights of my life. Hello, love. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Julia Henning. OG Shedonist, conscious life and relationship coach, master of psychology, and spirit junkie. And I invite you to join me as I explore the big questions and even bigger feelings of what it means to be alive. Casual, right? I offer myself as permission to hang up society's mask and slip into something a little more authentic. From philosophy to psychology, inner child to inner demons, sorcery to sexuality, I tap into it all. So leave your labor at the door and make the mundane magical again. Welcome to the Permission Portal, your safe space for radical permission. Are you ready to up-level with someone who gets it? Good. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome back. I'm your host, Julia Henning, and it's that episode, the ayahuasca episode. We finally made it. It's been about a month since I've been back from the jungles of Costa Rica, and I have to admit, this episode has been a little daunting because I've really let it take form on its own without thinking too much about what it wanted to be, you know, crafting too many notes, plotting, planning. And even as I sat down to record this, I wasn't sure exactly what was going to come forward. I knew there were a couple things I wanted to hit and share with you guys, but I'm closing out the first season of my podcast, The Permission Portal, with this episode, which is good timing because... When you're listening to this, we're going to be in a Mercury retrograde, an eclipse, Pluto's doing its thing, there's a lot going on, and uh, I think it's a really good time to just sort of rest, reset, reframe, and uh, yeah, let things kind of do their thing for a while. But before we get into all of it, I want to start off the episode with a little grounding in what I call good juju. So wherever you are, I invite you to take a deep breath. In through your nose and out through your mouth. (sighs) Let's do that again. But in this next exhale, I want you to imagine all of your to-do lists, emails, phone calls, text messages, worries, stressors, and anxieties slipping away, letting them go completely. Breathe. In through your nose and out through your mouth. (sighs) Imagine this weight lifting off of you and smile. Trust that all of this is waiting for you after this time together, but give yourself permission to tune in 
and to tune inward. Take one more deep breath in. <sighs> and just let that go. <laughs> and ask yourself on a scale of one to 10, where is your mood right now? And with good juju, I like to draw upon a little extra energy to really bolster the feeling of whatever it is we might dive into. So today I'm pulling from the Iris Oracle deck by Mary Evans. And the card that I pulled, well, the card actually flew out of the deck with this deck. The card always flies out. It's really interesting. When I know I really need a clear message, I always go to the Iris Oracle deck. But I call upon the card, the messenger, <laughs> which is very fitting, it feels like, for what this episode's about to be. The messenger says, your words are important. In each breath, pen stroke, keypad, you are doing your work as a messenger. It may not seem like it all the time, but your thoughts made tangible are valuable. When you were born into this body, your spirit had so much to say about all that it knows and has seen. Now you have the ability to help it speak. Your words help us all, if not to educate us on your experiences, to make us feel less alone and to encourage us to do the same. Whew, I have to admit that um, reading that before diving into what this episode is, um, is, is kind of crypt, it's kind of eerie, actually. Sometimes I do good juju at different points. Um, I always pull before, but sometimes the timing of what that message is doesn't always align right away with the interview or the recording. So the fact that I'm actually just going to go straight into my share after that is, is interesting. Um, and yeah, if that message is for you, then I hope that it's received and that you continue to share your message with the world. It's needed. I also want to disclaim that I am not a licensed therapist or plant medicine practitioner. And as a friend of psychology and plant medicine, I highly recommend seeking out a medical, mental health, or seasoned practitioner, a professional, if you are experiencing any psychological or medical issues or you have any desire to explore plant medicine. I focus on uplifting consciousness both in life and in relationships. So let's dive in. So I really had to sit with myself and figure out what I was going to share with you guys about this experience because there's a couple factors I have to kind of lay out before we really get into it. One of which is that I did not do this experience by myself. So there's a sacred honoring and an integrity that I have to both my retreat host, the facilitators at the healing retreat center, the other women and soul sisters that I experienced this with, the maestros who administered the medicine, and ayahuasca itself. Um, and so I just have to disclaim before we get any further that there might not be certain details shared that you might have been expecting, but I hope that what I do feel called to offer is good enough. And I humbly open myself up to sharing what this experience was like in a way that I'm not sure many people would, 
or would think to or agree with. <laughs> so anybody uh, who has anything to say about that, um, I hold space for you, but I think it's important to honor the energetic boundaries that also come with the experience of succumbing to ancient wisdom um, and having it be a communal experience. So that being said, I'm still going to give you guys some deep dives and some dirt, uh, mostly my own, which as it should be. But uh, yeah, when I thought about how I wanted to start this off, I think it only makes sense to kind of start at the beginning. And honoring the privacy and the protection of the people that I went on, um, I'm going to do my best to explain some of these stories and from my own perspective solely. But all I can say is that after taking a red-eye flight in the middle of the night down to Costa Rica, having to take cars to a random hotel, to then meet a bunch of women I had never met in my life, to then get on a three-hour bus ride, only then to take almost a two-hour ferry boat ride to a far-off peninsula island is enough to get you curious, scared, anxious for what awaits you. So we definitely had a deep day of travel leading up to the experience, which was definitely enough time for me and most of the women to connect, to get to know each other, and to sort of share our insights on what was going to be happening or what we at least thought was going to be happening. And a lot of the women shared their various intentions for being on the retreat or how they found our host, Taylor Simpson. Shout out to Taylor, who is a goddess among women, humans, lions, my fellow Leo queen. Um, check her out. She is divine and offers brilliant services and brilliant spaces. I'm so honored to have gotten to be a part of this. But basically, we all went around kind of saying why we were there and how we got there. And when it got to me, I was a little nervous because I didn't, <laughs> in the weeks leading up to ayahuasca, I kind of told you guys this during the prep episode where I was like, you know, it was a little challenging to kind of follow the diet. I had intentions forming, but it wasn't super solidified or clear. And literally up until probably the like first night I drank the tea, which was our second night of being in Costa Rica, I didn't have what some might say a firm intention, but I did have a loose one. <laughs> and I kind of had this deeper knowing that when I would try to explain that to my fellow soul sisters right off the bat, that I'd probably be looked at with a couple of confusing um, glances Mostly just because, and I'm going to share it with you now, my intention that I shared off the bat was, you know, I'm really here to just experience what ayahuasca is like. You know, I'm very open about my experimentation with drugs in my past, with hallucinogens and psychedelics, you know, my years getting my master's in psychology. I understand the benefits, the effects. I get it. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with altering your consciousness if you do it in a wise and safe way. Um, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, God, I don't know if what you would say over my years has all been wise, but I've somehow remained very safe. So take it with a grain of salt. I basically was trying to explain to them that, yeah, I was just there for the experience. 
And as I was hearing, you know, the various deeper, more human, kind of more practical, tangible, emotional, subconscious reasons that people were wanting to commune with ayahuasca, I knew that it was maybe a little, I guess flippant is the word, or maybe a little shallow on the outside that I was sort of just there to sip the tea and experience. Also, normally I would edit these things out, excuse me, but I'm not going to in this one because what I learned, this is a side note, is that any purge, whether it's a yawn, a burp, a hiccup, a fart, a shiver, is just energy moving. I already knew this, but I'm going to allow you guys to experience that with me because it means that something good is moving through me. That means that something is being cleared. It means that something is true. So the next time you're anywhere and you have a human bodily function, please give yourself permission to just let it happen because it means that something is moving and that means that you are growing and evolving. So I'm going to let the energy purge out of me throughout this episode. Sorry if it freaks anyone out or grosses you out. I don't mean to. Anyway, so here we are. We're arriving at the healing center. Everyone's like, okay, cool. This chick's like just here to like, you know, sip the tea, do some drugs, like hang out. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. But in the back of my soul, really my head, if you will, my heart and all the other things that are attached to my being, the real reason, or rather I should say the truest reason that I decided, I can't even say that because I didn't decide this when I said yes to ayahuasca, which is the truth. But what I ended up coming to upon my arrival at the first cup of tea was this notion that I wanted to commune with the divine ancient plant spirit of ayahuasca to essentially understand how to have a human life. (laughs) Even when I say it now, I'm literally sitting here in my house recording and it just feels strange to say that out loud after a month of integration because... (sighs) It's hard to explain, but if you don't kind of know this by now after listening to me talk these last few episodes, I'm clearly very invested in the human condition. Being a human is something that marvels me and frustrates me more than anything, and I am obsessed with it in a healthy way, of course, but the notion of me wanting to gain clarity on how to have a human life wasn't so much rooted in what's my career path or like, what is, what is my, even my purpose? I, you know, that, that I kind of even have tapped into, or, you know, how do I heal my mother wound? And I don't say any of those reasons again, in any flippant, dismissive, judgmental, or critical way whatsoever. Those are pillars of our lives. Those are important, if yet crucial things to be thinking about, feeling about coaching your way, therapizing your way through. And if you haven't done that work, this is your call to look at what in your life requires that attention. And if for some people, ayahuasca was what they were called to in order to look at those things, then full permission, full support, and my full heart goes out to them. And it did. Mine, however, without sounding in any way, I'm trying to think of a word, uh, egoic, or self-righteous or self-important, because if you guys don't think that I'm doing this internal work and clocking my shit at all times, then I've done a poor job at describing who I am. 
But after doing some deep meditation, rather actually quickly, if I'm being honest, um, there's that self-righteousness right there. Oh, fuck. Owning my shit. Owning my shit. Okay. I'm kidding. I'm fucking with you guys. Um, yeah. Admitting all of this was basically <laughs> me realizing that what I was looking for in ayahuasca was a deeper validation of the human life that I chose. And that's a hard thing to explain. How do you sort of identify the desire to eradicate your existential crisis? Because <laughs> if we all could do that, I think we all would. And at what point in your life do you get access to that? If you do. I mean, a lot of people, depending on what you believe, might say that like we don't get that enlightenment until the moment before we pass, that we might never get that enlightenment, that we get it often and lose it and have to remember it again. So again, please bear with me. It's it's challenging to articulate this, but a lot of what I really wanted out of sitting with ayahuasca was to really understand why I have so much reverence for being human and yet why, <clears throat> excuse me, it's the most frustrating physical experience to be having. So that gets me into uh, what I expected it to be like and then what actually happened. When we arrived, I was talking to a couple dear friends, shout out to my soul sisters, and we were sitting in the ocean. And again, I'm not going to share what my loved ones have said. That's their story to tell. But when I offered up what I thought that the night was going to be. And we're talking about the first night of ayahuasca. So at this point, we've gotten in our rooms. I'm staying in this beautiful, you know, king-size suite because that was the last one left, ironically. Um, but, you know, we've integrated. We've all met. We've had dinner. We've broken the bread. We've done all these things. And we're all sort of preparing ourselves for that first ceremony. We have no idea what to expect. So in my mind, I'm going off of all the things I've either watched or heard or had people tell me. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to see, you know, the high priestess tonight. She's going to appear in the middle of the room with a crown on her head. You know, I'm going to see just all the geometry, just in my mind, expecting all these sensory experiences. Kind of still not really accepting in myself or expressing that the deeper desire in all of this was really communing with spirit in order to validate, not even validate, that's the wrong word, but to accept really is the best way to put it, to accept my being human. And you guys, if I've lost you at this point, I'm going to be really real with you in the best way that I can. I mean, this is my truth. I have a deeper resonance. I can't believe I'm sharing this on a podcast, by the way. Um, Permission to share. Permission. This is this is why I saved this for the last because I'm being as real as possible. I feel a deeper connection to spirit and being a spirit than I do being a human being. Being in a meat suit, walking around with aches and pains and the weight of a body and the overwhelming stimulus of the world while trying to navigate purpose and freedom and love and joy and, you know, existence is fucking hard and not even hard in the way we make it as humans. My God, we make things so much more challenging with, 
you know, to-do lists and all the things that I hope to relieve you of in good juju, those aren't the things that necessarily piss me off. I'm just annoyed that we have to deal with that stuff on top of this existential crisis. It's like, God, give us a break. And then I'm not talking to God when I say that. I just mean, bro, energy, source, spirit, dude, give us a break. So rant over, uh, while I was in the ocean prior to our first night of ceremony, I just remember floating and basking in the ocean water and cleansing my soul and my spirit and my body of whatever human modern world energy lingering, just take it off of me. I forgot to mention how the day started. So I've been both cleansed in the ocean, but we have to go back to the morning of ceremony one. So they prep us by telling us that we're going to wake up at, you know, 7 a.m. or 6.30 a.m., meet down by the Maloka, which if you haven't heard the ayahuasca prep episode, is basically the uh, wooden round temple. I'd call it a temple. It kind of looks like a hut, but it's a very large round temple in which we experience the ayahuasca inside of. And so we're down by the Maloka off like the side of a cliff where there's all these fences, they've lifted the bars of the fences. And basically there are, there are four stations. It looks like with the four facilitating individuals who worked at the healing retreat, who basically took care of us throughout this entire experience. Shout out to Solterra healing center. It is one of a kind. I cannot speak highly, like more highly of this place You will be hearing more about it in coming seasons and more from the people involved in this location because it is magical. But anyway, enough about Solterra. They basically told us, get ready because in the morning of your first ceremony, you will be meeting us down for vomity. You heard that right. I said vomity. So we're all thinking, okay, is this what it sounds like or are we missing something here? No, no, it's exactly what it sounds like. At these four stations were these large multi-gallon buckets of this darkest, darker liquid and a bunch of cups and a bunch of paper towel or toilet paper. And what we were told was you're going to drink this lemongrass tea until your stomach expands so much that you will inevitably vomit. And while that's happening, the rest of us are going to watch you and cheer you on. So you can imagine after meeting all of these people within 24 hours knowing, all right, I mean, I'm about to commune with sacred plant wisdom with you guys. I might as well get used to puking in front of you. You just don't really know what to expect until you do it. And so you step up to the plate, you're given a a cup and you just start drinking this tea and it doesn't really taste bad. You know, it's tea. But after your first cup and a half, you start to feel that bloating happening real quick. Because your body has been prepped to receive and to purge. Because we've been doing this diet for the last, you know, month. Excuse me. Sorry. Energy's coming out as I'm talking about this. Jeez. So they basically explain the vomit tea to be this lemongrass tea that is infused with light being put into your body to basically cleanse, clear, and prepare you for the ayahuasca so that... If you think of ayahuasca as sort of spiritual or energetic surgery, this is kind of like the antiseptic. This is kind of the, you know, the pre-alcohol wipe before they give you the shot. So 
I go up, I'm drinking this, mind you, I'm wearing like a crop top tank top and like a cute skirt with like a necklace on thinking that I'm cool as shit, not realizing what I'm about to be doing for some reason. And so I go up to the plate, I start drinking within about two cups. I just purge. I just rip and it felt amazing. You guys, it felt so good to let this vomit out. I don't know why it wasn't like chunky vomit again. I'm sorry for these details, but you asked for it. It was just like a very, like when you drink too much liquid and you have to get it out. So we're all just like four of us standing up there while the rest of the girls are behind us cheering us on. I mean, literally as if we're on a softball team, like you've got this girl, like good, good Pearl, get it out. Like, yeah, you can do better. We're like getting each other to vomit by making each other laugh. And I apologize for not preparing anybody for that part of the story. If there's any activations or trigger that comes up by me talking about purging or puking, please know that space is held for you, permission to feel all that is being felt, and that this was practiced in a very safe, supportive, and very, we, 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 were no, we were notified that this was going to happen. So all of this was done in a very protected space. Um, so again, my apologies, uh, my apologies if that brought up anything for anybody. Moving past that though, you walk away from this experience and you kind of look at everybody with your, with your head kind of hanging over and you're just sort of, I mean, you're proud for some reason, but you're also like, oh my goodness, what did I just do? But you do feel lighter and there's just this glow that comes after the vomity that you're just, you just walk with a little bit of a lightness in your step. So you kind of feel this sense of, okay, my body's prepared. So that's how the morning started. Then throughout the day, we're all just anticipating what the night's going to be. Then we're in the ocean, you know, talking about it and, and hyping ourselves up about all these visions and these experiences and all these things we want to happen. Then you move on to the flower bath and the flower bath. Again, a lot of these pre-preparations are sort of this inundation of light that you really want to prepare your vessel, your mind, your spirit, your soul, your body for as much light because you're basically taking out any weight, any heaviness, any darkness that no longer serves you in ayahuasca. Well, for most cases. So you sit on a bench and the maestro and the maestra, they pull together a bunch of herbs and a bunch of flowers. They mix it up in the water. It smells amazing. And while you're sitting there with your bathing suit on, they basically pour this water all over you just as if you were getting a bath, as if you were a kid with a cup of water being poured on your face happened all over. I got a very special uh, in the bathing suit tuck of water because she laughed as I laughed and uh, she kept putting it in, she kept putting it in my butt crack, which I thought was really funny. Guess my butt needed some light. Um, TMI yet, guys? You ready for it? Because we're still just getting started. So the flower bath happens and you come out and again, you just feel really amazing after this. You just feel really light and you feel really effervescent and you feel cleansed. You feel like you're just this goddess of glowing energy. And so we basically were prepped by being sort of instructed to come into the ceremonies with intentions and to sort of frame these intentions in certain ways. So it could sound something like, show me blah, 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 teach me how, guide me through, help me with. You kind of go in with an intentional mindset. But I actually asked the question because it was sort of framed to us by the actual maestros performing the Icaros and the healing services to be more clear about what you want. 
What do you want to feel? How, what do you want to see happen? And if you can emit that energy, then they, as the maestros, as the healers who are seeing sort of this sacred geometry, this sacred woven framework of your being, then they kind of know what to focus on. So having an intention was a really grounding, practical method, but really knowing kind of what you wanted was sort of, I think, the underlying essence and the tool that really helped through ceremony. So I digress. All of this is happening. We get to ceremony one, and I'm going to kind of breeze through the details of the ceremony, mostly because if I were to sit here and to explain to you guys every detail of what happened, those four nights of drinking ayahuasca, we'd be here for a while. And also it just wouldn't resonate with you because it was so my experience. And because you don't know everything about me, some of it just wouldn't add up. It wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't matter. But what I will share is that on night one, you sit on a mat with a pillow and a little chair and a blanket. You get a bucket in front of you. You get a perfume bottle that is inundated with the most beautiful scents that you put at the front of your mat so that it gets blessed with the ikros or the healing song while you're being sung to. You get a mapacho, which is um, basically like a rolled up tobacco stick, which is also a healing plant medicine in and of itself. Shout out to Western civilization for ruining tobacco. And you get a shot glass, like a double ass shot glass, a lighter, a flashlight, and then you get to bring whatever else you want. So I would bring my crystals. I would bring, um, you know, a sweatshirt. I would also bring like a change of clothes because you never know. You could have puked on yourself and you could have shit your pants at any moment. Luckily, neither of those things happened to me. However, it's also important to note that before the ceremonies, I would pick a car. I would pick oracle cards or goddess cards rather before every ceremony. And I'm not kidding. Before every single ceremony, the cards that I picked would show up in the lessons that I learned with ayahuasca. And of course, you're probably thinking, well, no shit. Your subconscious weaved these things all together. You saw what you wanted to saw. see. You made meaning out of it. Like, you pulled some cards. Great. Guys, good juju exists for a reason. Like, you put intentions into those things and you get the messages you need. I could have never known that the things I was pulling would be what I would have experienced that night. And it wouldn't be until the next day that I'd be like, oh my God, that literally happened or that literally is what I experienced. So just an important extra thing. I was getting a lot of downloads, a lot of synchronicities, a lot of signs about what this experience was likely going to be for me. Starting off with like the high priestess. I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but all I'm going to say is I was prepped as much as I could be for what I thought was going to happen. So you all get into the maloka. We do some like pre-yoga stretching <clears throat> oh man, I can, I can like feel the energy that I felt that night. It's like living in my chest and my throat. So again, I apologize for excusing myself, but, um, yeah. So we do some yoga, we get our bodies and our like heart rates down and you go to the center of the Maloka where two facilitators and two maestros are sitting facing two separate sides of the Maloka. So we're all sitting in a big circle and half the center is facing one half of the circle and then the other half is facing the other half. So we basically go in a big circle and we go up to the maestra and the two facilitators to receive our 
dose, our shot of tea. We thank them. We take a mapacho stick. We put our blessings into the tea and bottoms up. And I'll just say the first cup of ayahuasca, I thought tasted pretty good. They had told us that we were very lucky to have a certain blend, um, the Costa Rican blend that was a little bit sweeter than what's normally experienced in um, other locations. And you could sense that. You could feel that. Like it definitely was a sweet a sweet brew, if you will. So then after that, you go back to your mat. And this is kind of the sequence. This is what would happen every night. So what I'm setting up is what would happen every night. The difference being after night one, I think it was, or maybe you, maybe it was night one, but basically once you took your first dose, we were told that if you had the thought to take more, or if you knew like your body was telling you drink more, then that was an indication to go up and to raise your dose. And so we would tell the facilitators, you know, I'm ready for my next dose. We would talk a little bit about what that might look like. Mind you, you're on ayahuasca when you're making that decision. So we'll get to that later. However, you start to drink more just to kind of balance out. But on that first night, we all had one cup. And the first night, what I went into the ceremony with was, show me what I love about being human. Teach me, well, I'm not going to share all the things I asked it for, but the, the gist of it was, show me what I love about being human. And... What I sort of expected, I guess, in some way ayahuasca to be like was exactly what my first night was. I blasted off into the cosmos in such a way that I will tell you right now, it was hands down one of the best nights of my life. And the way that I can describe certain moments that sort of gets that point of cross is that there was just this buoyancy in my body that if you were to shine a light on me in the middle of the dark, it would have looked like I was truly possessed and that my body was contorted into the weirdest positions possible. But my body was doing its own thing. I was not in control of my body. It knew when to move, when to stretch, when to hold itself in certain positions. And anytime it would move, it was almost like a weird clockwork where I was like, oh, we're moving, okay. And bear with me. The way that I can describe the experience was that I, Julia, the conscious person talking to you now, was aware that I had drunk, drink and drink, drunk. I was aware that I had sipped the tea. So I knew that I was on ayahuasca and I, you know, behind my eyes was present and there, but then my body was doing its own thing, almost as if it were conscious on its own. Then there was another layer of my consciousness that was talking to ayahuasca. And I will speak about ayahuasca as if it's personified because she's, she talks back. You're literally having conversations. I, I will speak for myself. I was having conversations with this plant spirit in my consciousness. You're communing with sacred consciousness, whether you, there's really no way to put it. It's that's what's happening. So my body's like shifting, moving all around, but I don't feel it. And I just feel so light and buoyant and free from the weight of my body. And I am just feeling blissed out and like happy, joyful. I'm feeling the love that I have for my family members, the love I have for my best friends, the love I have for the planet, for water, for animals. I'm just getting all these 
almost as if you're kind of watching a trailer or a movie reel of all these things that I've experienced or that I cherish. And with each reel inundated with the emotions. So I'm like, I mean, and this is normal. You hear, you, the lights have gone out by this point. I should just say the lights are on when you drink the tea. Once everyone's drinking the tea, the lights go off and you are in pitch black dark. And some people who start at the beginning are most likely tripping at this point. Some of us, it would take a lot longer. I was usually about 45 minutes to an hour, but you are tripping out by the time that the lights are dark to the point where like, you're seeing the sacred geometry. You're seeing the particles in the air. You're seeing what makes up life forms in front of you. I mean, you do, you see the colors, you see the shapes, and it's not like psychedelics where things are wavy and melty and breathing and moving, but you're just seeing the framework that makes up all practical life. It's the only way I can explain it. It's beautiful, it's confusing, it's kind of weird, but it's amazing. Everything is alive, that's all I gotta say. That being said, when these reels would pop up, you would also in the dark be hearing people vomiting, people trying to get up and walk around, people, you know, flashing their red flashlights to indicate that they needed help getting up to go pee or shit or move or they were, you know, overwhelmed. You hear people wailing, crying, laughing. So it wasn't abnormal to be having a plethora of these experiences. I'm crying. I'm, I'm like blubbering, wailing, this silent cry for the gratitude I have of all these things I love in life, you know, my mother and my lineage. And then you start to see stuff you just can't explain. Like me getting a glimpse into my Italian heritage over a hundred years ago, seeing women cooking in a kitchen, hearing this message that the women of my Italian family didn't have a voice. And that I came forward into this life to give that gener to give this generation a voice. I mean, shit that you're just like, Oh, okay. We're going, we're going deep. We're getting into it. So that first night I'm going to wrap up what that was. Oh, I should also mention this was the night too, that I had the most vision. So I did end up seeing the Jaguar. There are a couple different animals that people talk about seeing. And I will humbly share this with you. Like this, this is sacred, but also I think important and what people are interested in hearing about was that the maestro and the maestra have to diet various plants in order to basically commune in the most highest level of consciousness that they're working at. What this means is that they drink different plant medicines for an extended period of time until they basically can function and do their healing work, communing with and working with these plant spirits. One of the spirits, or rather all of the, the plant essences reveal themselves as different tangible spirits. So there's one that comes forward as a panther. There's one that comes forward as a snake, a mermaid. These are different plant strains that reveal themselves in different forms. I saw the jaguar, which relates to a very masculine plant strain that deals very much with power, uh, aggression, rage, very masculine energy, which I'm going to admit without going deeper, was one of the things that I did ask ayahuasca to guide me through. Um, I believe in sacred rage. I think that we as humans have to alchemize our anger, our pain, our frustration, our sadness, our resentment, all of those darker emotions. Sacred rage 
is the holding space for those emotions while honoring them, letting them be expressed without hurting another. And I have to admit that that rage has gotten the best of me at times in my life. And I wanted to understand that. And I wanted to hold space for that and heal through that as much as I could. So it made sense that I would see the Jaguar. And so I'm like sitting there allowing myself to have visions of where this rage have originated from. You can tell that I'm kind of trying to be careful with how I frame this. But all of a sudden, I look over to my left and truly in the dark, I see a fucking black, huge panther literally just like laying next to me. And when it's hard to explain, it's not, you know, like when people talk about hallucinating, how do you describe hallucinating? You're seeing what you're seeing. I knew that I wasn't looking at an actual panther, that I was in the dark, that my eyes, by the way, you can't wear your contacts. And I didn't like wearing my glasses because my glasses felt like wearing goggles during this experience. So I was essentially blind, but also seeing everything I needed to see. Kind of cool. So I kind of could make out that I was like, oh, that's a, that's a black panther just chilling next to me. And then I look across the room, like far across this temple, and these two piercing, glowing cat eyes are just I can't even see the body or the head. Just these eyes are staring at me. And it's just, I mean, when you have an ancient plant spirit's eyes looking at you, you either heal it or it's going to heal you. So let's just say that I got to heal some sacred rage that night. And I thank that panther for being with me because it was a very comforting presence, despite it being sort of weird that I knew that this was happening. I also saw an owl, which was perched up in the Maloka roof, apparently that being the spirit messenger animal for the maestro and the maestros, which I thought was pretty cool. I think that that had some resonance that I felt pretty connected to what they were weaving in the space. Um, I did not puke a snake into the bucket, thank God. Although I will say that when you vomit, at least when I vomited, especially on that first night, when the maestro and the maestro sit in front of you, they sing their Icaros or their healing song, which is basically them doing the spiritual surgery on you. They're kind of looking at the framework of who you are, seeing what's murking you up, what's, what's, what's fucking you up, basically, so that they can identify it, in some way sort of pull it out of you, infuse you with something more serving, more light, and then stitch you back up. Those are kind of the four days broken down. So on the first night... I hadn't vomited yet, but when the maestra was singing to me, I was having generational healing. I was being called into the high priestess mode. I was getting visions of my love and my life and what human being, like what, a, what being a human means. I mean, it was all happening within like 12 minutes and I get on all fours and my body knows it's going to happen before my mind does. Oh God, there it is. There's the synchronicity. Damn. Oh, it's, I'm having epiphanies while we're doing this. Um, and I literally just, my, I just said to my body, I was like, do it, go for it. And I just vomited the best purge of my life. I mean, I was puking up generational trauma, pain, dead weight. I mean, it, it just comes out of you. And for a second I opened my eyes and I looked in the bucket and I basically saw like cosmos, like stars. And then I, 
really quickly realized that I was also seeing the black sludge of the ayahuasca. And I was like, oh my God, close your eyes. What are you doing? Um, so I didn't do that again. Uh, AKA look into the bucket. Also, side note, you accidentally look in the bucket if you spend the night in the maloca, which a lot of us would do because you'd be doing this for most of the night and then you'd pass out. So if you got back to your room, you were a champion for walking up that long ass hill and making it back to your air conditioned room. Not many of us did it. I only did it once. So you'd wake up in the morning and you'd look in your bucket and you would see your vomit and you'd just be like, oh my God, scary stuff. However, another fun story about that first night was I was so waiting to have to shit and my body just didn't really let it happen I knew that it was going to and in the final like last few minutes of the night after I'd received my Icaros and felt like I had received what I had asked for in what I love about being human I got up I walked myself to the bathroom which on ayahuasca you guys it's like being drunk with clear eyes, but eyes that are seeing like kaleidoscopes. It's the, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, the way, if you saw me walking around, imagine if anyone knows this fucking reference, I'm going to die. Imagine like early Simpsons, like the Simpsons cartoon when Mr. Burns gets like radioactive, like material on him and he's walking around the forest and he's glowing and it's like the X-Files song playing. Like that is us walking around on Oh God, please look up radioactive Mr. Burns now. That was us walking around on ayahuasca. So I get to the bathroom and like, I'm a little bit more clear headed. It's kind of worn off. You know, I've come down to earth a bit and I just shit the most glorious, easy shit. And yes, I'm being this explicit because this is what you asked me for. This is the stories people have been asking me for. So here it is. I take a shit and literally as soon as it left my body, I felt 10 pounds lighter. I felt like the person I was had been flushed down the toilet. So much so that I got up, flushed the toilet, bowed, literally hands together in front of my heart and bowed to the toilet, thinking it, the tiny shack of a bathroom, the sink, the light bulb, because I hadn't seen light in hours, and the person who was manning the bathrooms, who I'm, I, he got a kick out of me every time because I'd come in, you know, fucking throwing down like peace signs and thumbs up and I'm, I'm coming at him dancing. Every girl I'm sure had a different way of approaching those bathrooms. I came in as if I, you know, had been, as if I was coming in from a party and the guy would laugh at me every single time. Loved it. But... The way you feel in the morning, when you wake up in the Maloka, it's kind of startling because it's like 5.30 in the morning, the sun's coming up, the birds are chirping, some people are still asleep on their mats, and most people have either gotten up and left or are just getting up. And you kind of, it's not really a walk of shame, but it is sort of a silent walk back up to your room as you're sort of just dead from the experience and wanting to take a shower and just unsure what to make of who you are now. Like you come back to your sort of monkey lizard brain after communing with sacred consciousness and you're sort of left with, okay, how do I, how do I be now? So that was night one. Um, I'm going to share a small part of the rest of the experience because that's really, I think the highlight of what ayahuasca was. Night two was the night that I suffered is the best way to put it. Night two, I knew that because night one was so good, night two was going to be intense. And that was because 
that was when the real healing needed to happen. I'm not going to tell all the stories that happened that night, but what I will say is what I asked for was to show me my limits, teach me to live beyond my capacity and help me love basically. And it's it, the wording of that isn't quite right. That's why I paused. But what I ended up experiencing in comparison to night one was I was so conscious on night two. Like I knew I was on, like I, I knew I had sipped ayahuasca. I had drank in more, you know, my dose was a little unclear to me and the weight of my body was so apparent. I was uncomfortable. I felt nauseous. I felt all the creaks and aches and muscle and tension. And the whole night, I just didn't know what to do. And they don't really prepare you for what the experience of ayahuasca is. That's kind of what I was there for, right? So in my mind, I was thinking, oh, it's not working. If I'm like this conscious of the experience and I'm this uncomfortable, it's not working. I'm not getting the medicine. But lo and behold, Again, I'm I'm cutting this story pretty short and I apologize, but this is a little this is all you need to know. That was 100% the medicine working. My capacity and my limits lie deeply in my discomfort of being a human being. That the spirit and the energy, the essence, the soul that lives inside of us got to fucking run free night 1. The body came forward on night two, and as somebody who openly admits that I'm not a huge somatic practitioner, I love to dance, I love yoga, I love very natural movement, but I've never been one for, you know, hard workouts and disciplined routine, like nothing like that. And to have to just live in the weight of my physical body the whole night and not understand and also go through, oh, got to purge that out. Um, to go through some of the emotional lessons that I had to that night, all I'm going to say is, yeah, <laughs> that suffering was the healing in the long run. And had those things not happened, I would not understand why I have such a deep frustration with the experience of being human, so much so that I would not be able to appreciate my human life. So with the light comes the heaviness, and without it, we cannot rise Night three and night four, night three, all I'm going to say about night three, night three, they tell us is basically when the deep healing happens, AKA that's when the chaos happens. So just imagine like night one and night two, like there's a lot going on, but like there's kind of a vibe that lasts throughout the night. Night three, I was sitting up this whole night because at this point I figured out, I figured out what I was, I had gotten what I wanted from ayahuasca. I'm just going to kind of say it how it is. I received the deep download about who I am, about why I'm here, about what it is I'm supposed to do. And the easiest way to put it, without explaining to you my past lives or who I've been in other places, is essentially what I've been talking about in a lot of my content, in a lot of what I've been coaching lately, which is that life gets to be easy. And that is a very simple statement for a very profound truth, something that I have fought against for a very long time, something that has been ingrained in me since I can remember, something that I have yearned for, longed for, desired, and all the visions, all the experience, every part of my ceremonies, it was that was the clearest and loudest message, that it gets to be easy. 
And I don't say this with any form of, again, righteousness or gatekeeping or, you know, whatever privilege, but it gets to be easy for me if I let it. And the ways in which I let it have been unfolding. Uh, but that's, that's when I, when I had that, I could go into night three and night four and sort of just experience ayahuasca like I had originally intended. So you don't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes you get what you need, then you get to hang out. So I'm sitting with my leg up. I'm like chilling in my chair. Night three is chaos. People are running around. The facilitators are running around. People are crawling. People are falling. People are passing out. People are vomiting, shitting, wailing. I mean, it is, it is calamity. And without sounding crass, I'm just laughing the whole time because I'm like, yes, this is humanity. This is healing. This is up-leveling. This is expansion. This is what we signed up for. This is ayahuasca. And I was just beaming stability and groundedness and support and love to all my sisters. I was still having visions and downloads. I mean, my God, I saw some past lives. I got to talk to some conscious beings both on this earth who have not come to this earth and who have left this earth. It was wild. I'm not going to share with you who that was, but all I'm saying is check out my Instagram in a couple months and let's see if I got a cat, okay? Um, but night three and night four was kind of that essence. It was, you know, night three was crazy and loved it. Night four, I was kind of just ready. I was ready to sort of wrap this up in a way that felt complete. I felt full. And so I stayed, I sat up the whole night, which is hard to do. You kind of lay down the whole time because your body just like is so inundated with so much stimulation in a way. I sat up the whole night. I received my Icaros. I understood what I had received. And I walked back to my room that night. And I just remember being like, oh my God, I made it to the room. I stayed up the whole night because it would knock me out. I would get so tired at the end of these things. And I just remember feeling like, wow, I'm in my room. I'm on ayahuasca a little bit in like the modern world. What is it going to be? And one more thing I'm going to share, which I wasn't sure if I'm going to, but one of the notable experiences that happened, and this was on night one, and this is the last of the details I'm going to share, was when I asked ayahuasca to essentially, I won't say show me my purpose or tell me what I'm going to do, but something in that essence, basically, you know, what, what am I here for in a way? And all of a sudden my neck started to tilt back as if my head was going to snap off the back. And I had this sense that my face, my head, my mind, my brain were taking a back seat. My throat was facing the ceiling I mean, I looked like I was being possessed, like there's just no way around it. And I swear to you that my throat, as if it was being charged by a damn phone charger or, or a defibrillator, energy started surging to my throat and it started growing and growing. My throat was charging with this insane blue light. I mean, I could feel it. I could sense it. I could kind of see it. Like, I don't know how to explain it. I just knew my throat was charging with this blue light as if it was becoming like, like Superman growing in the greenness and they become the superhero. It was becoming something all its own. And when it had fully charged, it stopped, it powered down 
And my head came back and I just had this deep knowing. I was like, holy shit. I am truly meant to express myself. Which if you're paying attention, guys, the good juju of this episode was the messenger. I explain myself as the goddess of expression. I'm literally doing a podcast. So made a lot of sense to me what I'm here to do. Also, your throat chakra is blue, in case anyone was wondering. So, yeah, needless to say, I think that there's some value in using your voice. And when an ancient plant spirit um, charges it up, (laughs) use it. So here I am using it. And I know that this is a longer episode. And if you've made it this far, I just want to say thank you because I was truly unsure how to share this. I wasn't sure if I was even going to. It's kind of why I waited so long. But when we wrapped up the whole experience, I just remember thinking, I know that I'm going to have to share some of this, that it's important, whether for me and my processing, for someone out there curious about ayahuasca, for the loved ones who keep asking me how this went, for the people I don't know who have been invested in the journey. I mean, I knew that there was a part of this that needed to be shared. And whether you were here for the fun stories or you took something away from my sharing, what I know is (laughs) that I just let it be easy. And it was. So we wrapped up the experience. We said our goodbyes. Any retreat is a good retreat for me, at least. And this was a fantastic one. And we all, you know, walked away sort of a little scared about what life would be like when we came back because you, you're you a different person. I mean, you might not know it or see it right away, but you are a different person. You have now alchemized, like learned, let go of. I mean, you you left it in the Maloka and whatever you didn't leave in the Maloka was going to find its way back to you. But it was, I mean it's, it's spiritual surgery. Like I don't really know another way to put it. So how do you come back and, you know, take your first few steps in the modern world again, in the life that you left when you've now sort of stepped into this whole new life and this whole new being. And that's where I'm at now. I've been back for about a month and I have to admit it has been one of the most rewarding and challenging integrations I have ever gone through in any healing practice I've ever experienced. The rewarding part is the validation of the direction of life that I have been going in, the intuitive messages and downloads that I have been listening to and adhering to and investing my time and energy into, and the notion that what I am focusing on these days is not something I've ever been able to unlock in the past, if I'm being super honest. These pillars of human life that I've always sort of rebelled against, and like, I'll just be honest, what I'm talking about is like work and career and systems and automation and finances. I mean, these things of our Western society that we all like kill ourselves over, I've always just refuted because I've I've been living a, a life that's been easy, but I'm a member of this society and I am an adult and to make those things easy, I finally accessed some, I was, I was finally granted some access to, 
And for the first time in my life, I have been devoted to those things. But what I want to offer in sharing this publicly is that what ayahuasca granted me was this opportunity to see what I'm capable of, what I'm really made of. And I've never gotten this close to that before. But the integration for me has been deeply about finding balance. Literally, physically, it's been challenging to muster up the energy to share this with people, which the fact that I'm sharing this on this podcast and it's taken me a month to be able to do so should give you some indication that this is not, I'm not messing around. I'm not fucking with you. But that also being said, the integration process has been very, it goes back to something I said earlier, and that is my body knows something my mind has not caught up to. And I mentioned this again, I think last week on Good Juju, this feeling that and I described this actually to my soul sisters from the retreat, it's almost like there's a bubble inside of me and it feels like it's expanding. It feels like it's generally just expansion, but my body doesn't quite know how to, my mind rather, my mind doesn't know how to interpret and hold space for this, even though my body's purge naturally doing it. I've just now upgraded my, my system and we're kind of just figuring out the kinks. We're working out the bugs because this thing updated overnight. And, you know, now you have to figure out like when your phone updates, now you have to figure out how the fuck to use this thing. And that's kind of the experience of coming back from ayahuasca is I'm figuring out how to use this thing. That thing being my body, mind and spirit working in tandem to create the life of my dreams. And it's happening. It's happening now more than ever. And I'm proud of that. And I'm so grateful for that. And if ayahuasca showed me or taught me anything beyond my limits, my capacity, how to breathe, where I've come from, where I'm going, what I'm made of, what I'm what I'm going to do, it provided me just this deep acceptance of life. And that all things happen as they're meant to. I knew that, but you don't know it until you know it, until you grok it. And this level of grokking was deeper than any level I'd hit before. And so now I've been back in the modern world for about four and a half weeks. It has been challenging to interact with technology and social media It's been challenging to be in overstimulating social situations. It's been challenging to figure out the right diet to satisfy and nurture the space that was created in my body. It has been challenging to express this experience and to hold space for other people. And it's been one of the best things I've ever done. So that being all said, that was my ayahuasca experience. And I've been asked this quite a bit. Yes, I do think I will do it again. Probably not anytime soon, but it is something I do think will come up in my life and something that I'm now open to and deeply respect and deeply cherish. Um, So it's a yes for me. And as this episode is a little bit longer, 
I'm actually going to wrap up without doing a do you grok it segment because the grok it in all of this is that there's no one way to describe this experience. It is yours and yours alone. It opens up doors. It opens up portals, but you have to walk through them and only you can understand what that walk looks like, feels like, and only you can understand where you end up. Words really don't do it justice, but I hope that my words offered something of value to you today. And I just want to thank you for listening and for holding the space for me to share something sacred and scary. And because this is our last episode, again, I'm sorry to put timestamps on these episodes, but it is the last episode of season one. I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break. You will hear back from me in the summer We're just going to make sure that everything is ripe and refined for you guys until then. I've got some amazing guests coming into season two, some even hotter topics, and some more practical life hacks that I cannot wait to share with you guys. So if you haven't subscribed, if you haven't, go rate. All these ratings are Rippling's effects into the world for people to find this and to find me and to connect into this permission portal that offers radical sacred space for the people who need it and please leave a review leave a comment reach out to me on social media or my website both are iamjuliahenning.com I want to hear from you whether it's through coaching services which if you're listening to this we are currently in a mercury retrograde a again I keep forgetting what's happening Pluto's doing something uh, the eclipses are doing something guys. It's happening because I can't even say those things clearly because of that. I am offering a limited time special pricing on all of my coaching. Go check it out. And I am juliahenning.com slash coaching. If you're looking for life activation, consciousness, coaching, or relationship coaching, go check it out get on it. The pricing is delicious and divine and tailored just for you. Go to my website, check it out, or send it to somebody who you know might benefit from this type of space holding and from my vibe. Guys, I love to vibe out with you. It's my favorite thing. So I'm going to close this with the Holy Trinity and ask myself at this point in time, what am I a yes for? Currently, I am a yes for my own sacred space. I am a yes for the work that I am doing. I am a yes for my priorities, my services, my time spent with myself. And I know that that's going to transform into something else at a different time. I know that there will be a chapter where social life and travel and relationships and fun come into play again. But right now I'm a yes for my devotion to my work. And that brings me a lot of pleasure. So what brings me pleasure? Seeing what I'm made of, seeing what I'm capable of, expanding through my limits and my capacity and breathing through it so that it gets to be easy What am I a yes for? Ease. What brings me pleasure? (laughs) Kind of everything I'm doing. But I'll share with you. What brings me pleasure? Mm, Bubble baths. Bubble baths, cacao, good food, 
days doing nothing, being outside, flower arrangements, my friends, my partner, my family, my nieces, clothes, styling, wardrobe, my teammates, my soul sisters, retreats, coaching, podcasting. My life brings me deep pleasure. What does human... What? Oh, God. It's like, how do I even answer this now? What does being human mean to me? Well, being human is being aware that there is something else but choosing to be here now. Choosing to say yes to this experience. Sensing that something else is out there that we come from, something whether we believe it or not, science, faith, magic, something else exists and yet we are here. And to be human is having senses. It's the senses that tell us to question everything, but making meaning out of the nothing that we are provided with. I'm going to say that again. It's the senses that tell us to question everything. But being human is making meaning out of the nothing that we are provided with. That is what being human means to me. (laughs) It's suffering and celebrating. It's community. It's rejoicing. It's reframing. And it's reclaiming. And where can you find me? Well... You can find me on Instagram at I am Julia Henning. That's H-E-N-N-I-N-G. You can find me at my website, I am JuliaHenning.com. You can email me at info at I am JuliaHenning.com. And whether it's coaching, events, retreats, masterminds, workshops, podcasting, or just to have a conversation hit me up. I want to hear from you. So with that said, my darlings, thank you for participating in the Permission Portal season one. I love you dearly. I beam you so much gratitude and I cannot wait for season two. It is going to be filled with a deeper, richer, more radical permission than ever before. So until then, permission to let it be easy. I'll see you guys soon. Love you. Hey, pleasure seekers. I hope you guys vibed out to this episode. If you feel called to, please download, subscribe, leave a review, or share with a loved one. The ripple effect of these actions not only support me, but support others in discovering the permission that awaits them. Think of it as an act of love. If you're looking to connect with me personally or are interested in my coaching services or events, you can find me online at IamJuliaHenning.com or on Instagram at I am Julia Henning. Tag me and the hashtag permission portal on your social media when you're listening and let's vibe. Ready for the next permission portal? Tune in this summer for season two and look out for episodes every Wednesday. Thank you for tuning in and tuning inward. As always, it's been my pleasure. <laughs>